0: We've been talking for the last number of weeks uh, about in this series called We Are Vineyard. And uh, it's not a statement to say uh, we are better, Uh, it's simply to uh, label who we are our our identity as a movement or denomination of churches, uh, what things are important to us, what things we value. And hopefully, as we've uh, dove into these different things, and most of this has been done through the context of sort of little catchphrases or sayings that we use uh, that help us remember and latch on to a larger truth. And uh, now I'm not going to go back and review all the previous weeks, but today I'm especially excited. One of the things that we ascribe to, which is not necessarily unique to us, but we wholeheartedly value this idea of come as you are. We just sang the song, Come As You Are. Jesus accepts us. Uh, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, you're welcome. And we, we believe um, that the kingdom is available to everyone. Jesus sets a table that everyone is welcome to come and participate. And we want that value to be reflected in our local community. Before I jump too far in uh, to the actual message, I want to start by sharing a, a brief video clip here in just a moment, but I'm going to set this up for you. And we've done this a few different messages through this series, hearing from other voices outside of our local context in the vineyard. And so this short clip is a gentleman named John Elmer. Uh, he planted and pastored a church in Syracuse, New York. Um, but currently, John serves as one of our super regional leaders. Now, we kind of joked about the title. We think that they should maybe all have capes. But if you weren't aware, uh, Vineyard across the USA is divided up into different regions. We are part of the Midwest Central region, which encompasses uh, the majority of about five states. And then we also have super regional leaders who take... You know, a larger chunk of the country and just help oversee and resource and encourage and do pastoral care for those pastors and churches. And so, John is one of the people the last couple of years that has uh, said yes to serving in that role. But I love this short, little, succinct clip of what John has to say about our value. For come as you are. So if you guys are ready, let's go ahead and watch this real quick. One of the things I love about the vineyard is the come as you are and beloved atmosphere. I mean I love it because I, I love seeing people where regardless of where they are in their spiritual journey, you know, very distant from God, even mad at God, not even sure there is a God or, or have been following Jesus for, for decades that they can come as they are. It doesn't matter education level or their their economic standing, their ethnic background, and that we are building uh, diverse communities of people in process moving towards depth of intimacy with Jesus. I love to come as you are, beloved. Video that I want us to explore this morning. And I love the way that he worded it. He said, We are building diverse communities of people in process, moving towards depth of intimacy with Jesus. We're going to spend the next few minutes sort of unpacking that and exploring our value for come as you are and what that means for us. But before we do that, why don't we pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to come? Jesus, we just welcome your spirit. We know that you're here because you live in our hearts, but we invite you to come and and move among us. Uh, We invite your presence to be manifest, that you would come and empower and teach and strengthen and encourage and even convict. We just invite you to have your way, but we ask right now that you would empower your word. That you would give us ears to hear and that you would allow me to be your conduit, that you would speak through me this morning, Jesus. And as we get ready to celebrate water baptism, that you would encourage us with your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're, like I said, we're going to sort of dive into a few different things about this statement. And I want to simply start, uh, if you want to go ahead and flip, if you have a Bible or a Bible device, we're going to start in Galatians 3, uh, down about verse 28. But I just wanted to comment, you know, that one of the first things he said there is that, and now he's talking in the context of the Vineyard Movement. As a movement, we are building diverse communities. Well, I thought about that, and we have a, a, our, our own contextualized value for diversity here in this local body. But I wanted to simply say, we never want to have diversity just for diversity's sake, right? There needs to be a strong why. And as I pondered this and I thought about this, I think for us, our our desire behind that is simply that we want to reflect the reality of both the kingdom and our local community. In other words, if Jesus sets a table that everyone is welcome to come and, and participate and taste of the kingdom, we want to reflect that in the way that we do church, in the way that we serve our community, that we don't get so caught up in uh, one certain cultural norm or something that, that those who look different than us, who think different than us, uh, are not able to participate Let's go ahead and jump uh, to Galatians 3 that I just mentioned, verses 28 and 29. These will be on the screen for you if you want to follow along. I'm reading particularly this time from the Message Translation. It says, In Christ's family there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Uh, Among us you are all equal. That is... We are all in a common relationship with Jesus. Notice that that's the that's the commonality. That's the thing that that we can unify around. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant heirs, according to the covenant promises. Now, I I also feel important to say when we talk about this, we're not talking about uh, conformity or uniformity culturally. We're not trying to erase cultures and say that we should all act and behave the same or have the same experiences, but despite the diversity of places that we come from and the experiences that we've had, we can unite around the fact that we are all equal in the kingdom, that Jesus invites us all equally without preference, and we have that common relationship with Jesus. Another verse that might be familiar to you comes uh, from the New Living Translation. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. In other words, everybody was there. Everybody was represented. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar. Wouldn't you like to hear that? (laughs) Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Again, that common relationship with Jesus. So we might all... If I did a poll right now on any given question and we went through the room, you know, we might all have different ways of relating to a topic. We might all have different opinions about certain things going on in our culture. And that diversity of thought and that diversity of experience is actually a strength, right? Because we actually help each other. And in the kingdom, we want to value that. As I said, though, we don't want that diversity just for diversity's sake. We want to reflect that beautiful reality of the kingdom and our local community. Jesus sets his kingdom table so that everyone is welcome not only to come and taste, but to participate. Just as we're going to celebrate here in a little while as as folks participate in water baptism. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome to participate. And in light of that, th- that should affect how we do things as a local church. All right, moving on. We're building diverse communities of people in process. Now, hopefully this is really good news, right? Because we're not, we're not building uh, and expecting perfection in the process, We're recognizing that while all are welcome and all are at different places along their spiritual journey, we are all, if we're honest, we're all in process. I used to sing a song which... How do I say this? The cassette tape that I sang with back in the day. The accompaniment music would perhaps be described as a little bit corny... You know, and it was actually one of my dad's favorite things that I did when I when I was real little. But I sang this song at church called "God's Still Working on Me," and I think if we're honest, nobody in this room could say that that's not true. I don't think any of us have fully arrived. Whether, just as John shared, whether you feel close to God, far from God, maybe you're even upset mad with God, you're not sure God exists, you're not... Wherever you are on that spectrum, He's still working. We're still in process. None of us have fully arrived, and and this is just a a side point. This informs why we uh, often say we don't want to walk in judgment. Because if we're honest, just because we're at a different place on that spectrum doesn't give us the right to... Uh, you know, assume a place of moral superiority and to sort of look down our nose at someone who's at a different place on that journey. Because truth be told, that's not going to help their journey, right? If, if what we're doing in partnering with Jesus in the kingdom is to help people take steps, getting closer and closer to Jesus, we can't assume a position of, of judgment. We need to assume the same position that Jesus did of, of mercy, of grace, of loving understanding, of seeing people the way that he sees them. All right. We are people in process. 1 Thessalonians 5, again, this is from the message. Uh, I just love the wording of this. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. In other words... Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. Remember we talked before about holistic healing. It's not just physical. It's spirit, soul, and body set to right. Going on. And keep you fit for the coming master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Now I want you to notice here that the assignment for the work of of making you whole and holy, that finger is not pointed at you. It's saying, may God himself do it. It is God's work in us that enables transformation to happen. If you're not happy with where you're at in your life, it's not entirely in your power to change it. Now we need to partner with. We need to take responsibility for our choices. We need to say yes to God, but we can't complete the transformation on our own. We need to open ourselves up and allow God to do that work. If we are people in process, God should be the one ordaining the process. I heard this illustration uh one time, you know, if you understand uh, winemaking, especially now I'm not talking in sort of a, a modern mass produced ways, but when you know, when they used to put all the grapes in the barrel and literally stomp them, like that's a messy process, but that's required in order to get to the final product to, to make the wine. Well, I, I heard a, a pastor talk one time about this idea that if you're not willing to let God take you through a process in secret then sometimes things are going to happen in public and all all she meant by that was that we need to open ourselves up to God in intimate relationship and be willing to let him speak into us and 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 guide us and and lead us and transform us so that we become more like him, so that we develop the character of Christ, the mind of Christ. Because if we don't submit ourselves to that process, especially for those of us who are in ministry, then then the spotlight that's meant to elevate him will end up crushing us. Because if we've not allowed that, that crushing to happen in private, then sometimes we will get crushed in public. And, and I don't think any of us desire that. So we need to open ourselves up to the process that God has us in. And it can be painful. You know, when God starts poking around and, and saying, Hey, you know, uh, this isn't really the way I designed you in this area. Why don't we change that, that behavior? Or uh, why don't we work on building up that integrity or, or, or strengthening those, uh, those muscles? It's not always a comfortable process. But again, we need to be remember that, that we're all in process. You know, It often feels like, well, I'm probably the only one dealing with this. It is unique to you, but we're all in that same process. We are people in process. Galatians, uh, also chapter 5, if you'd flip over there or follow along on the screen. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. We've talked about this before. And much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like, and well, these are the gifts he's, he's sort of spelling out, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. In other words, the goal of this process is to get these gifts into your innermost being so that you can walk in them. If you're, if you're struggling, I've shared with you before, uh, in earlier, now I'm not saying I'm immune to it now, right? Because I'm still in process. But at earlier points of my journey I have struggled significantly with the problem of anger. How many how many can relate to that? That you know when when things aren't a certain way or that wasn't done right or I wasn't heard we we can rise up in anger. We can raise our voice to try to be heard cuz we feel like we're not being heard. Well, if you're struggling with that or any other emotion, That's what these gifts are for. It says things like affection for others. Do you have people in your life that are hard to have affection for? Now, I've I've told you before, Brittany and I often call some of these folks opportunities to grow in grace. (laughs) God is going to make sure that there are some opportunities to grow in grace in your life. And one of the things that I've learned is, it's not always praying in agreement with him to say, get these people out of my life. It's not. It's an opportunity to say, cause think about this. Do you think that Jesus had irritating people in his life? Do you think, he, like, just read the Gospels. He didn't, I mean, if we're talking about this in a natural, physical sense, like, the path, it didn't end real well. Like, now, now we know the meaning behind that. And we're grateful, but it wasn't an easy road to walk. And people were a big part of that. People sometimes get it wrong. Can we love them anyway? Jesus did, hanging from the cross at, at, at the pinnacle of his suffering and strife. Forgive them, Jesus. They don't or forgive them, Father. They they don't know what they're doing. How often is that the thought that comes into our mind? And it's not even, you know, we, we might pray, oh, Jesus, help me forgive them. And, that, and that's a valid prayer. That's a valid prayer. But how often does it happen? And I'm being honest, probably not very often for me. Jesus, would you forgive them? Because if they knew who they were in you, if they knew how good you were, they, they, they wouldn't do this. They, they don't even know what they're doing. They're acting outside of the character that you've created them for. They're acting outside of your created design. And Jesus, my my heart breaks, not because of the pain that I feel, and it's okay to feel that pain, but my heart breaks because I know that it's an indication that they've been touched by the kingdom of darkness, that they've been deceived, and they've not fully realized who God is, in them. We're all people in process. And we need to look at others not not as inconveniences, but as opportunities to help people take steps towards Jesus. That's the next part of this statement. We're people in process moving towards depth of intimacy with Jesus. Now, you know, we use this language around here all the time that we want to take next steps. We're we're not so concerned. It's not always so black and white as to say, well, are you in the club or are you out of the club? I, I don't know. O- only you can answer for yourself. Are you in relationship with Jesus? But for those of us looking, right, it's not our job to measure and judge who's in and who's out. And the other trick is... The enemy loves it when we think of this in terms of in and out. Because then it's like, well, once I'm in, then I'm good. I can like set the cruise control and I can coast. Because I'm in. I've got my fire insurance, if you will. If you understand that analogy? And and I'm good because I'm in. And Jesus says, no, we're we're all in process. We are taking steps towards Jesus. And again, I don't think any of us... Uh, have taken the last step we're not all the way there I I I don't know uh, myself included anybody in this room that for the last 24 hours has has acted exactly like Jesus walked out their life in in total sinless perfection If, if you have let me know let me know behave in the back there We are taking steps towards Jesus, and again, this this opens it up. If you if you can sort of get this this paradigm shift, if you've not thought of it this way before, is that it, is that it opens it up. So it doesn't really matter, in one sense, how far away from God you feel you are. Everybody has the same opportunity to to turn and take a step towards Him. And even if you feel like you're really close, there's still more. You can still take steps towards Jesus. And actually, that's a lifelong process. But it should encourage us because what often happens for many of us who have had difficult experiences in life, who struggle with hurts and hang-ups and addictions, the enemy will will say, well, you know, you got to get that cleaned up. And then you can come. Jesus says, no, my table is set so that you can come exactly how you are. Now, the secret is, Jesus doesn't want to leave you exactly how you are. But you don't have to do anything to get cleaned up enough to come to the table. Part of come as you are is come as you are. Bring your baggage, bring your hurts, bring your hang-ups, bring your addictions. You can come exactly, (coughs) exactly how you are, wherever you are on that journey. But Jesus doesn't want to leave you there. When you come as you are, what you begin to experience is, you know what, I can still be loved. Despite all of those things that I'm carrying, or those hurtful experiences in my past, or the way I feel condemned in myself because I've done people wrong. Jesus says, I, I, I can work on that. But the thing of it is, is you have to come to him. See, it's good and valid to focus on the just as you are, but it's also come. It's also invitational. It's Jesus saying, However you are, come to the table. But I want to feed you. I want to love you. I want to heal you. I want to help you. I want to teach you a better way. I want to help you walk the Jesus way. Maybe in your life, you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've tried to live my own way, and it hasn't worked out real good for me. And we've all done that at different ways. But maybe even in this moment, you're thinking, you know, I, I, I've tried my way. And as Dr. Phil, you say, how's that working out for you? There's a better way. And it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, how many times you've made the wrong decision, Jesus says, there's a Jesus way. There's a kingdom way. And it, and it is a way of life. It's not about joining a club and checking off the boxes on the moral code checklist. It's a way of life that has room and grace for you to still be who you are made to be, to allow Jesus in that process. And, and you know, if I'm honest, I'm often s- I- I'm slower than I would like to be in some of those processes, but that's okay, too. There's no timeline on transformation. Jesus never gets tired and says, all right, I'm I'm done for now. You know, I, I need to take a break. He is ready and willing and committed. As many times as you're willing to take another step towards him and say, yes, Jesus, to open yourselves up, he's ready and willing each and every time to keep transforming you. That's really what this good news of the gospel of the kingdom is all about. When the kingdom comes, things are different. When the kingdom comes into your life, you can be different. If you're not satisfied with your life, there's a better life, and you can exchange it. Just as we're going to celebrate in this tank behind me today, folks are, are showing and identifying, just as Christ died, I'm going under the water, signifying that I have been crucified with Christ. And as they come up out of the water, but I've also been raised to new life. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's a whole new life. And you can exchange it. You can exchange that old, tired, didn't work out for me life for a new life with Jesus in the kingdom. Now, one other thing that I want to point out before we wrap this up, life in the kingdom is movement, not just membership. Jesus is often described as as a river of life. Rivers move. Still water stagnates. And we had to come in this morning and, you know, kind of skim and stir uh, the water here. Now, it's fresh and warm and clean. But if we were to leave this here for another week or two untouched, it would not stay that way. But life in the kingdom is 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 movement. So that's why another reason we can never say that we've that we've arrived, that we've checked enough boxes. Now I've got my permanent membership card. uh, So my my work is done now. Maybe that wasn't the best analogy because we don't. We don't fall back out of the kingdom based on our behavior, right? Like, Jesus has unlimited forgiveness for those times where we mess up. But one of the things we need to think about is how do we relate when we mess up again? We make this, this decision and this commitment and we start going this direction. We're taking these steps towards Jesus and somewhere along the line, something distracts us or deceives us. And instead of going straight towards Jesus, I might go 45 degrees. Or maybe something really traumatic happens and I turn completely around and go the other way a few steps. Jesus never turns his back. He is always on the move. And he's inviting you to come get in the river and move with him. You know, the other thing that's cool about a river... A real river that, that's got a current, it doesn't take a lot of effort to move, right? The river can carry you. I don't know about you, but, but for me, my, my life before Jesus felt a lot more like hiking up a steep hill without enough water than going in a, in a boat down the river. It doesn't have to be in your own power. Jesus will carry you if you get in the river with him. Simple question for you to ponder as we begin to wrap up this morning. Are you moving towards Jesus? Or are you stuck in comparison? Because comparison will rob you of the joy on your journey. Are you measuring yourself against how the people around you seem to be doing? And I'll give you a secret. They're probably not doing as well as they seem, if we're all honest. But are you measuring yourself against the others around you whose lives from the outside look put together? Or are you measuring yourself against the only standard worth measuring against? Jesus Christ. Are you moving towards jesus and really friends that's the only requirement now we could get down into the nitty gritty details of a million different ways that that's contextualized and look but it's really the only question that matters is your next step towards jesus